Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 21. Glad you could join us. In today's episode, Hope and Bonnie converse with Elizabeth Hoxie, Colby's science department chair and a favorite teacher of a growing throng of Colby students. This episode is very much about caring for the entire person, or the Ignatian concept of cura personalis. Elizabeth's holistic approach to life is mirrored in her teaching, which this year includes a course on sacred scripture. Enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, Colby homeschooling mom, liturgical musician, podcast fanatic, heavy library user, and Colby parent ambassador. I have two lads and two lasses. The youngest is in fifth grade, the eldest is in 10th, and this is our fourth year homeschooling with Colby. And I'm Hope, Bonnie's younger sister and a Colby alumna in a phase of life after being a student, but before becoming a parent. I studied communication theory and philosophy in college, then I went to law school. Now I'm an attorney, an avid home cook, and the fun aunt to Bonnie's kids. So we're very happy to visit with you today, Mrs. Hoxie, from the science department at Colby. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have been teaching for Colby Academy for the last seven years now, and in every way, it has really been a, a dream, a dream job. At the at the time I started teaching, it was very much an answer to prayer um, because my husband is in the military and we move very frequently. So for me to find a job outside of the home is just impossible um, when we're picking up and moving every two years. Um, and so at, at the time I was working for an online Catholic journal and the um, the editor of the journal knew that I had a biology background and she said, hey, you know, there's this new online program getting started. Why don't you apply? And I, uh, I didn't have any background in teaching. I'm a biologist by trade, um, but I went ahead and applied and did the interview and uh, got hired. And it has just been an immense joy. Um, I, I love my students. I love our families. I love being able to teach about the relationship between faith and science um, and really encourage my students to to see the glory of creation um, and just the intricacy and the beauty of of science. And so uh, it, I'm just so thankful to have had this opportunity. My husband and I have four kiddos and they are ages nine down to our youngest is two. And um, so I, I've been teaching since our oldest was two years old. And every once in a while, our two-year-old will make appearances in the online class. And uh, the students enjoy that. And sometimes they get to see their baby siblings, too, which is great. Um, and so this year, I'm teaching a couple of biology classes. I'm also teaching in the theology department. I got degrees both in uh, biology and Catholic theology. So I'm teaching an intro to scripture course this year. In the past, I've taught earth science and uh, our biology lab. And then coming in the spring semester, I'll be teaching the health class as well. And our family this summer made the move from Washington, D.C. to Juneau, Alaska is where we're living now as part of my husband's career. So that was quite an adventure because we uh, we chose to drive <laughs> during a pandemic. And so we drove 3,700 miles with four kids and a dog um, up through the plains of the United States and then into Canada. We were driving through Canada for about five days before we got into Alaska. Um, and then immediately after our arrival here, we were in quarantine, complete lockdown for 14 days in a hotel room. 
again with four kids and a dog so <laughs> um it was it was quite the adventure but we're so glad to be here uh there's just incredible natural beauty in Juneau so I um we go out hiking there's a glacier two miles away from our house and so I'll take pictures and share them with my students because I just I can't get over it it's just so incredibly beautiful here so very very happy to be in Alaska for a little while that was so fun to watch you travel across the nation on the Colby Academy Instagram feed. That, I thought that was such a clever idea, taking Flat Max along with you. I was looking through those pictures again today. I enjoyed them at the time they would come out and then looking back through them, getting ready to visit with you today. And I was struck by just the composition of them. I thought, were, I thought they were so fun to see just how you have found a way to, to get Flat Max in the picture and chronicle your journey and uh, all the, the Catholic sites and the natural beauty that you saw along the way. The Colby truck ahead of you. So was that <laughs> was that your truck, or did that happen to be? No, that worked out. To so be a be. truck that pulled in front of us that said Colby, and I was like, you can't make this stuff up. We're <laughs> following Colby to Alaska um, with St. Max. But yeah, my students last year, um, we had we started our move right at the end of last school year, and my students really wanted to hear how everything went, and so that's how Flat Max came about. Um, St. Max accompanying us on our on our journey, and it was a lot of fun. How long did your trip take you then? How long did it take you to drive? Let's see. It took us, um, I think it took us 11 days total to make the drive. And Once in a lifetime, I, I would, I would, you know, I wouldn't, I don't have any regrets about doing it. It was a little, a little chaotic and some days were long, but it was just remarkable to see all the different parts of the country and um, into Canada. Definitely worthwhile. We used to do two-day driving trips to get to family. Well, it depended on who was driving. If our dad was driving, we just had one really long day. If our mom was driving, we had two still long, but less long days. And I think an 11-day trip would be more fun almost because you kind of get in the mode of like, we're seeing all these things rather than we're going to get there soon, but we're not there yet. And Flat Max was such a cool touch. <laughs> it, it honestly went a lot better. I think because oh, because of the pandemic restrictions, we were limited to doing, I think it was 400 miles a day. So my husband would have loved to drive for 14 hours, but we just didn't have that option. So that made it a lot, a lot easier. My, the only kind of bummer was because of the pandemic, once we got to a town to stop for the night, we had to go to, straight to our hotel room and that was it. Like we couldn't go out and explore. So I think we'll probably, when we leave Alaska, do the trip again, wherever we're headed so that we do have the opportunity to see some things sure. along the way. Sure. Yeah. I know you guys must be really good at packing and moving and <laughs> and finding resources in new places and everything. And this is kind of way off, but. You know, it's that. funny, Col Colby has actually been very helpful with that. Um, when we were getting ready to move here, Mr. Boyarski is a Juno native. And so he was able to connect us with the Catholic community before we even arrived. And then in our last assignment, we were in D.C. and I met some Colby parents there. And one of the parents is now working for Colby. So it's neat to make the Colby connections as we travel around the country. That is neat. That's neat. There's Colby folks everywhere. Good deal. Bonnie, I really don't think your tangent is actually a tangent because um, what we plan to discuss with Mrs. Hoxie today is this idea of living fully alive and its connection with the health class and with, as you mentioned, the connection between faith and science. And so especially with these opportunities, whether it's on the molecular level or whether it's on the cross-country road trip 
level, these opportunities for life and life in abundance. Well, I was really intrigued when I saw the new courses come out, what was in March or so last year when I saw the new course offerings come out and see among them your your health course. So I was hoping you could tell us more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am so excited to be working on the health course. I think it is it's it's filling a tremendous need in Catholic curriculum. Um, it came about largely because of the request of parents. In quite a few states, there is a requirement that students take a health class, and so we've had parents for a number of years now saying, you know, could Colby offer a health class so we can check that box and and not have to go somewhere else um, to fill that state requirement. The parents asked for it and we're so, so happy to offer it. But then also, you know, health is a course that um, as I looked and researched to see what was out there, there really aren't health courses for Catholic students, um, they just it just not out there. I uh, I called in I called a friend of mine who um, works for a diocese education program and said, "Can you help me? You know, what are the resources out there?" And she had gone through this whole process a couple of years ago, looking for health curriculum for their Catholic schools, you know, starting with kindergartners all the way up to high schoolers and they ended up having to write their own curriculum as well because it just doesn't exist. So we're very happy to be working on this project and to be um, giving parents resources to help them approach health from the perspective of our Catholic faith. Uh, and so the book that we uh, decided to use is a Glencoe Health. So all of our science classes at, um, at Colby use secular textbooks. And I, I think that's honestly a very good thing because the science program is um, it, it's a rigorous program. Um, it's an academic program. And so um, we want to be using textbooks that reflect that, um, that, uh, that are on, on the cutting edge of science, that reflect the most up-to-date research in any given topic, whether it's biology or physics or chemistry. Uh, so it's not unusual for us to be using a secular textbook um, for this course. And then the text goes through um, a number of different units. It's a it's a 30 chapter textbook. It's it's a one semester course. So I have been streamlining quite a bit and not all the units in the textbook will be covered in the course. Um, but it begins with just kind of, you know, what is health? What what are the foundational needs that you need to meet in order to be living a life that is healthy um, in all areas in terms of your physical health, but also your emotional and your social health? Um, and then we interject as well. Our spiritual health is very much a component of, of a, um, a holistic approach to health. And then from there, the course goes through mental and emotional health. What is good mental health? What is good emotional health? What are what is disordered mental health? And um, and how do you um, how do you get help when you are struggling with your mental and emotional health? Uh, and then the next unit is about relationships. So um, relationships with friends, um, relationships with um, your peers just in general, and then family relationships as well. And then kind of the trajectory of relationships beginning in childhood, that would be the relationship with your family primarily, moving into adolescence where your social circle widens and then into adulthood, um, the relationships of marriage, um, relationships of career. Uh, the next few sections are about um, nutrition and fitness. 
So how to stay active, um, how to take care of yourself physically, um, how to eat and, and what to eat and why all these different nutrients matter to your health. And then the final um, two units are about the body system. So going through the respiratory system and the circulatory system and the reproductive system um, and just providing kind of foundational information in um, anatomy and physiology. It's foundational. Uh, we go into that in a lot more depth in um, biology class and then anatomy and physiology course, of course, is much higher level of anatomy and physiology, but it's it's the basics. Um, and then the final section is about human growth and development. So beginning with pregnancy, going through infancy and, and on up. Um, what what are the characteristics of each developmental stage? And then there are a couple units after that, which will be omitted from the course plan, again, just because it's a one semester course, but um, parents who are homeschooling their kids through health would, of course, be welcome to include those in the class. And so those um, units cover um, healthy decision making um, and, and what healthy choices look like versus risky behaviors. And there's a unit on various diseases and disorders, communicable and non-communicable diseases. And then the final unit is um, about safety, overall safety. Um, there's information about first aid and that kind of thing, uh, sports health, um, and then environmental health as well. I love really how great. comprehensive it is because I think that yeah. the connotation and culture with health class is like super narrow, whereas this is really a course on how to live out loving God with all your mind with all your soul, with all your heart, and with all your strength, with mind being mental, heart being emotional, soul being spiritual, and then strength being physical. And that integration across everything doesn't exist anywhere else. So I am thrilled that Colby is going to offer it. And especially with topics like, I think mental health can't be talked about enough in Catholic circles, because there's so much of uh, just pray it away that doesn't reflect that idea of soul and mind and heart and strength. And so. Well, sure. And the integration of the scientific dimensions of it, plus the spiritual dimensions of it, the whole person integrated. Is it for all high schoolers? Um, so the textbook itself is kind of geared towards, I would say, more like the seventh to ninth grade age group. Okay. Um, but I but I think used by higher level grades as well. So I, I could see it being used up to 12th grade. It seems like such a necessary, just vital topic to address, like to bring those all in together the way you have described it. It seems so vital, like if we're undertaking I, all these other subjects, this one needs to be right among there with them. It sounds so important and, and the way you're approaching it just seems to meet such a need. It sounds great. <laughs> it really I, does. I see, what you, I see what you did there, Bonnie, with the play on vital and vital signs. Good one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I worked on a long time on that. <laughs> are you preparing the homeschool course plans too? Or is, is it an online only course this year with or are there plans available for it if you're homeschooling as well? Uh, so I am preparing the homeschool only course plan at the same time that I'm prepping for the online classes. So both options will be available. Uh, I'm not exactly sure on the publication date for the course plan. So that the homeschool only course might not be available until um next fall but the online course will be offered beginning in the spring semester i can see this being an area certainly some topics more 
more so than others, maybe not, and maybe not for everyone. It might be there's an objectivity that you can bring to the topics. I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on involving parents in the conversation and, and maybe kind of helping the parents in a way who might be hesitant to approach some of these subjects. Yeah, absolutely. So that's been very much on my mind, um, both prepping the homeschool-only course plan and preparing the online courses. As you know, the principle of subsidiarity and the parent as primary educator are ideals that we take very, very seriously at Colby in all of our classes. But I think in health especially, the parent as the primary educator becomes even more important because only the parent can know their individual child's maturity level and readiness for certain topics. And there are difficult topics in health. Um, so as I've worked through the course plan, I've tried to include some um, jumping off points for discussion between the parent and the child, along with some resources for specifically for the parents if they feel out of their depth on a particular topic, those resources are there for them in the course plan. Um, I know as, as a parent myself, even though my children are young, it can be really difficult to know where to begin to talk about these important um, topics, the very weighty issues. They have to be talked about. Uh, you have to have the conversations, but it's hard to know where to start. Um, so I, I know Hope mentioned mental health, and I think that's a, a great example. How do you start to talk to your children about mental health and, and even suicide? These ideas are out on social media um, all the time. And so the society is having a conversation, and it's really important that we bring that into our own homes and talk to our own kids, but they're not easy topics. And so to that end, um, one of the things that's included in the homeschool course plan, but will also be a resource to the online, the parents of the online students is a, it's called a discuss and write prompt. Um, and so the prompts are, there's one for each week, so one for each topic. And the idea is that the parent and student should work together on those prompts to answer the prompts before the student writes a short answer response. Uh, and the answer key that will go along with the course plan will include some talking points in case the parents aren't quite sure to, where to begin having that particular conversation. Um, and then the prompts are also an opportunity to bring up church teaching in context, since the text is, like I said, from a secular publisher. So, for instance, um, on the chapter on mental health, the prompt talks about how mental health and mental illness is often stigmatized by society. And from time to time, it's stigmatized in, in the church and in Christian communities as well. And um, so the prompt discusses how, you know, the church very clearly teaches that mental illness is not a sign of spiritual weakness. It's not a, a sign of a lack of holiness. It, it's a cross. And the lives of the saints bear witness to that teaching and bear witness to the redemptive power of God acting, not in spite of the cross of mental illness, but through that cross. Um, and so the prompt directs the parents and the students to research the lives of saints and um, blessed and venerables and servants of God who suffered from a whole gamut of mental illness, um, anxiety, depression. Some of them had obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, some of the saints even suffered from suicidal ideation. And um, researching this myself, that was such uh, such a revelation to me that that there is no cross that hasn't been carried by some other member of the of the body of Christ. And so and so the prompt provides a list 
of some of the saints um, that they can research, including St. Ignatius of Loyola, who struggled with his mental health. Um, some others are St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, um, St. Oscar Romero, uh, St. Louis Martin, uh, father of St. Therese, struggled with his mental health, and, and on and on. There are quite a few more than are listed in the prompt. Is that the parents and the students will realize that they're that they're that they're not alone. You know that if mental illness is part of their family story, they're they're in good company. Christ provides support for that. So each topic in in the book is is uh, includes a prompt and a way to begin a discussion, and then additional resources for the parents as well. Uh, so for that particular week, the documents I included for parents as a reference is. Um, Salvafici Dolores, which is uh, on, the, on the topic of suffering, and um, the church talks about mental illness in that as well. I think it sounds amazing how, and just meeting so many needs, and I think, I think as homeschool parents, we find ourselves learning so much alongside our children as we go through the courses over the years, and certainly growing more in knowledge of our of our faith ourselves and it sounds like this course is synthesizing so many things that what we we ourselves as parents are partaking of or at least hearing or um, sort of watching the the conversation happening wherever um social media or news or and families or whatever and I mean, we can go seek out some of the church teachings on these things and research other resources hope and i have discovered some podcast here recently, some Catholic mental health podcasts that, that we've been following closely. We'll put but, them in the show notes. Yeah. But to have this guide it's, and to have the prompts to sort of start the discussion, that, that sounds so helpful. And this whole litany of saints that we can approach for consolation, for inspiration, for intercession, for <laughs> all manner of things. I think it's a beautiful demonstration of the Colby difference. I love how you talk about the secular textbooks and we want to educate with the most cutting edge research and science and all the knowledge that's available and then build and layer on top of that and and integrate that again I keep coming back to that word integrate everything across the molecular here's the scientific side of it here's the experiential side of it sounds like it's really lived out in the health plan and you mentioned Saint Ignatius of Loyola, and you mentioned when we were visiting before we started recording that there's a strong Ignatian influence on the development of the course. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Colby's approach to education is Ignatian in method, and there are a couple different kind of elements of Ignatian education that have uh, really played into the development of this course plan in particular. Uh, one of those is the idea of uh, cura personalis, which means care for the whole person. That fits in very, very well with the health course plan. Um, like I mentioned before, the text begins by discussing kind of this pyramid of good health. And so the text says the elements of good health are social, physical, and emotional, and we add in spiritual to that. Um, and St. Ignatius was living at a time in which extreme asceticism was associated with holiness. So, you know, wearing your hair shirt and sleeping on a rock, and you must be a very holy person if you're doing all those things. But St. Ignatius himself took a much more moderate and holistic approach. And so when he was forming his brothers to teach, 
he admonished them to care for the whole person of each student. Um, they're not just their academics, but their spiritual development, their emotional development, and then their physical health as well. Um, but, but not only that, he also wanted his brothers and his teachers to really model Cura Personalis in their own lives, to be a model of care for the whole person in the way, though in the way they themselves lived. And so he even went so far as to say, okay, I want retreat houses built near the schools so that educators have a place to rest. I think at this point, uh, we can agree that educators of all kinds, home educators and professional teachers are experiencing really profound exhaustion and burnout as a result of our circumstances right now. I know speaking as a homeschooler myself and also as an online instructor, I, I'm really tired. <laughs> I'm really burned out. Yeah. And so the concept of Cura Personalis has been very grounding for me this year as my husband and I evaluate the health of our children and our own health too. Um, and that whole, the idea of care for the whole person is definitely woven throughout um, the entire course. And then another element of Ignatian education that I think really plays into this course in particular is the idea of for the greater glory of God, ad maiorum dei gloriam. A lot of times I see my online students write AMDG at the top of their homework assignments, which makes me so happy. Uh, and I think in the health course, we're living in a society that in many ways idolizes fitness and physical experience to the extreme. And so health can be kind of a tricky subject, especially for teenagers who are oftentimes um, pretty insecure and they struggle with body image. And many of us continue to struggle with body image far past our teen years. And so that, that principle AMDG is a way of discerning our own intentions and how we approach our health. As the students read and learn about nutrition and fitness, the question becomes using AMDG as a guide, am I, am I eating or exercising or amending my diet to reach a certain number on the scale or to gain the approval of my peers? Or can I instead approach nutrition and fitness as a way to give glory to God? Um, St. Paul says that we should glorify God in our bodies. And so that, um, that Ignatian principle of for the greater glory of God takes the emphasis off of myself and turns it back towards living fully alive, as St. Irenaeus said, um, man fully alive is giving glory to God. There's a lot more I could say on the, on the subject of Ignatian education, as, especially as it applies to this course. Maybe one final element of Ignatian pedagogy that's particularly relevant to the health course is the idea of unity of mind, soul, and body. And I think we touched on that already. But the church very clearly teaches that we don't, we're not just souls with bodies haphazardly attached. We are our bodies. The soul is the form of the body. And so there is this inextricable unity between soul and body. And when health is approached from that perspective, it helps us to avoid the temptation to extremes. I can't just take care of my physical fitness and neglect my mental and emotional health. And I can't just focus in on my mental health and neglect my physical and spiritual and emotional health. Um, and so it is, it is grounding and it provides balance in the way that we approach our own health. Now we're just like super excited. <laughs> <laughs> so like fangirling, like that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. okay. Can we go back and be high schoolers again, Bonnie? Can okay. we enroll? Let's sign up. 
I think there are a couple of seats left. We're going to snag those. <laughs> I think that all the time. I'd love to just sit in on all the high school classes and, and learn because our, the Colby teachers have so much to offer. And, um, you know, there's so much I didn't learn in high school that I would love to learn now. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. This is like when we consider our reasons for homeschooling, there are many of them. Among them at the very top are living the lives they're called to live, these children that are entrusted to us, that they're called to live and equipping them with these tools that, that you're building into this course, they're of such high importance, I feel, that to not approach them would be doing the, the children a disservice, that of all the conversations and all the topics we're studying, yes, there are a great many of them that are important, and this is right there at the top of them. So I'm really glad and grateful that you have put this together. I can see so many benefits coming for the students who take it and all the people who they will encounter throughout Absolutely. their lives. So that'd be great. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you brought up body image issues, because that, I think, is something that many of us have experienced, whether it's passed down through a family or even in some discussions of modesty within the church can create this idea of the body as an other thing or the body as a danger to the people around you that in trying to pursue a virtue, people end up conveying a very damaging idea of the flesh is not to be trusted or, or different things like that. And so I am so glad that you brought up the integration of body, mind, and spirit. And it was kind of mind-blowing to me when I was doing a little bit of research before this. And I went to some of the catechism sections on human nature, and I saw that we are obliged to regard our bodies as good. And that's something that I think is a truth that needs to be conveyed more than it is in our sphere. And it sounds like this class really fills that need. Yeah, absolutely. If, if the students take nothing else from this health course, I hope they come away with uh, just a, a profound reverence for their own bodies. As you said, we're, we're obliged to view our bodies as good. Beginning in Genesis, God says that we're made very good in God's eyes. And so I, I really hope that students are able to take that away from the course. I think uh, the church underwent kind of a revolution with uh, St. John Paul II's theology of the body. And as we move around the country, we've been in Texas and Pennsylvania and California and Washington, D.C., and now in Alaska. And as we go, I've, I kind of keep an eye on what our parish is doing as far as religious education goes. Um, and, and every time we've moved, I see theology of the body incorporated into religious education, especially for preteens and teens, which is such a great thing. But a lot of times the presentation of theology of the body focuses mostly on chastity education and preparation for the sacrament of marriage, which is completely understandable. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's so much more than that because uh, St. John Paul II, echoing the tradition of the church, presents this idea that as creatures made in the image and likeness of God, we are icons of this unseen God. And so that everything that we do with and in our bodies has immense significance. Everything from how we eat and exercise to how we talk and interact with our neighbor or um, how we converse with a friend, all of these seemingly kind of trivial day-to-day -day bodily activities and interactions have the potential to image God's love to the world. And so, you know, the, the church teaches such a profound reverence for the body, um, that everything that we do with this body of ours has eternal significance. And so I hope that will 
really, really penetrate into the hearts and minds of our students as they take this course, because it is such a countercultural message. In so many ways, our society um, denigrates the body, and even in idolizing the body, and um, in, you're talking about body image and upholding, you know, this one standard for how a body should look, that diminishes the real role of the body as well. And so as Catholics, we have a real opportunity to, to be countercultural and to, to preach a different message and to be images of God's love to the world and how we treat our bodies. I think that is fantastic that you're incorporating theology of the body into your course. That is another way that is providing a a great service. The fullness of theology of the body, incorporating but not limited to the chastity side of it. I haven't actually read this book, but I feel comfortable bringing it up because I have it high up on my to-read list and the author is very reliable, but it's called These Beautiful Bones by Emily Simpson Chapman. And it basically talks about what theology of the body has to say about the everyday moments of life and the rooms where we work, where we eat, where we laugh, and where we pray. So I'm excited that the health class addresses that. And I noticed as I was flipping through the book that she talks about the digitization of leisure. So that's certainly a topic that I'm looking forward to learning more about because with my media theory and history background, I'm very intrigued by the ways that we interact with technology. You had mentioned the idea of digital health as part of the health course. So whatever insight and wisdom you have to share, I'd be very excited to hear about digital health. Yeah, I think uh, digital health is on the forefront of many parents' minds, especially the parents of preteens and teenagers. You know, parents want to know, when are we supposed to allow our kids to have smartphones or should we even allow them to have smartphones and should they be allowed to have social media accounts and so on? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that will be discussed in the health course plan. Humans are social beings. That's how God made us. And so we all have this craving for community. But like you said, over the last few decades, that need for social interaction has been increasingly met through media. And there's advantages to that, absolutely, Um, especially right now. Quite a few of us are relying on Zoom and other platforms to connect with our family and friends. So there's, you know, there's a lot of benefits to that. Uh, St. John Paul II and other pontiffs have talked about the potential to use mass media as a tool for evangelization. Um, not too long ago, there was a, a Italian boy, a teenager, Carlos Actuis, Acutus, <laughs> last name correctly, but he was um, beatified and he was this 15-year-old who spread devotion to the Eucharist by designing a website. Um, So there's lots and lots of potential for good use for evangelization through media um, and through digital technology. But at the same time, the research is pretty clear. Um, Social media especially is highly, highly addictive, and it can be detrimental to mental health, especially in adolescence. I think at this point, we don't really know what the full repercussions of constant connection through social social media are is going to be on um, adults or on teenagers. And we won't know that for some time. You can only tell looking back uh, what the effect has been on this generation. But I think, um, as usual, the age-old wisdom of the church is very relevant. 
And when it comes to any good thing in life, whether it's food or drink or uh, Facebook, whatever it is, um, the church admonishes us to practice the virtues of prudence and temperance. Uh, and so the, the virtue of prudence means using our, our God-given reason to discern what the good is in every situation um, and then what the right means of achieving that good would be. And then temperance is the virtue of moderation and, and also balance. When we were growing up, my mom always used to say that there's a place for everything and everything in its place. And she was usually talking about our socks and toys. But I think the same can be said for social media and other forms of media. The virtues of temperance and prudence help us to keep media and every other good thing this life has to offer in their proper place so that they don't begin to rule us. That sounds like two concepts that harmonize in the Colby High School curriculum. Aristotle with his golden mean, the idea that virtue lies in the middle, and then Dante picked up on that in the Divine Comedy. And I'm just fascinated by how the purgatorio, like opposing sins, are cleansed on the same cornice in purgatory. So you have the people who were very reckless with money and the people who were misers with their money are going through the same purification um, regarding their interaction with money. And so to hear that applied to the media realm is, I think, what's the Colby tagline? Something like rooted in tradition and relevant to the world today. Exactly that. (laughs) Yep. Here's another shiny example of of how that's that's coming to bear. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, with digital media as with anything it's sometimes easier to go to the extreme and say okay well you know social media is has lots of evils to it so i'm just gonna delete all my accounts and um you know live in a bubble by myself and that's not a good thing either and we have to we have to find the the moderation in the good things that that this life has to offer um but it's it's difficult and i think that what that looks like from family to family is going to be very different. Um, some families are immersed in technology and that's part of their family culture um, and that's can be good and healthy for them. And other families, um, maybe less is more, less is, less is what they need in order to live a, a balance in the, the other aspects of health for the individuals in that family and for the family as a whole. I think we're seeing that with religious orders recently too. So two religious orders I lightly keep up with the daughters of St. Paul or the are the media nuns who are on Twitter and Instagram and their their charism is media. They have publishing house and all these things. And then I also enjoy the Poco Poco podcast from the CFR Franciscans in New York. And on one of their episodes they talked about how they had a pretty long discernment process about whether to have one group social media presence or whether individual monks, friars, priests could should have their own. And for the CFRs, they discern that they they have their one CFR Franciscans presence on Instagram and Twitter and things like that. And that is what living their charism looks like. And then the media nuns have individual accounts and things like that. And so we can see that in the way that they're living it out. And so I totally agree that family to family, it's going to look different, but sounds like all of the things that are conveyed in the, in the course plan and the 
philosophy underlying the course plan um, will help families come to their own, for lack of a better word, best practices, um, and especially involving teenagers in the conversation as they get older and as they get more vocal about what they would like to participate in or what they think they should be participating in. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other things that the textbook brought up, which I was so glad to see, was the idea of being a healthy consumer as it applies to health products and health services, but also how we consume media, consume the things around us. And I think right now, especially, that's so relevant and such an important thing to talk about um, with your children and just have in the back of your mind as well um, that not everything out there is true. (laughs) Not everything out there is good. And so we have to be very mindful about the way that we consume information because it's constantly available to us. It's just at our fingertips at any moment. Um, and so I think that's also another really key component of digital health is is being mindful consumers of the media that's available to us. It's all working toward this idea of living fully alive. I want to include a note of encouragement to our, our Colby parents. When I first started teaching biology seven years ago, the final unit or the final um, quarter of the year is devoted to the human body systems. And so I was gearing up to teach the reproductive system. And honestly, I was a little nervous because, you know, how's this going to go with a a room full of, um, of 20 teenagers? And I was just amazed and have been amazed every year since at the maturity of our students, but also they they do have this sense of integration of the sacredness of the body and, and reverence for the body. And I know that comes out of the conversations that they're having with their own parents, but even more the reverence for the body that they see modeled in their own homes. So doing a great job. <laughs> Call me parents. Teach me all your ways so I know how to raise my teenagers when the time comes. Another way the Colby community helps its members. It's growing all the time and in and, and strength in numbers. And I think this is yet another way that we can help each other along the way. So we sure do appreciate you coming to visit with us on the Colby cast today. Mrs. Hoxie, thank you so much for all your work of paying into this. I hope things go well for you in the semester and for your family as you get settled into the Juneau area and wherever you go from there. And we'll be keeping an eye out for Flat St. Max to show up again when and if you take that trip back down from wherever you head to next and in the meantime thanks so much Mary our mother pray for us St. Maximilian Colby pray for us Ad Maiorem Dei Gloriam